You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. Training camp practice number nine of 2019 in the books for the Broncos here at Broncos Stadium at Mile High. Andrew Mason, Ryan Edwards, Benjamin Albright, both of KOA News Radio, 850 AM, 94.1 FM. They were actually broadcasting live on radio during the practice. I was up with Phil Milani and Matt Boyer doing the pre- and post-practice shows. A lot of fans here today, probably a lot that have not been out to UC Health Training Center, but what they saw today, quite similar to what we've seen over the last eight days or so. That's an appropriate way to, to frame it, no no doubt about it. I mean, you saw you saw moments where the offense saw the, the rhythm that we've been seeing last couple of days, saw moments where the defense was uh, the better group on the field. I, I liked the mix of things they did today. You saw some seven-on-seven, seven, you saw some ones versus twos and twos versus ones. You, you saw multiple opportunities to see red zone, middle of the field, move the ball. There was all sorts of cool stuff. I, I thought uh, Vic Fangio and the Broncos staff did a great job organizing a, a relatively entertaining practice even though that's not the, the first thing you're thinking of generally right you're out here trying to improve on your game but it was a, an event for fans I found it interesting I, I was standing over there on the sideline and I kept hearing chants from the crowd for the defense for all the media hand-wringing we have about this offense and how it's looked they were chanting and cheering on the crowd was chanting and cheering on the defense well, they've been watching the team the last few years, haven't they? What has been the strength of the Broncos? If they get anywhere this year, it's probably going to be because the defense gets back to that top five level. It was last at when Wade Phillips was the defensive coordinator. And part of the reason fans are keen on Vic Fangio is because there is a certain expectation that what he did in Chicago will be replicated here this year. Un, uh, no question about it, and it's it's a controlled presentation of what they want to do. So, so the defense, the offense, they work in concert with each other. You're controlling the clock. You're controlling the pace. If if you can maintain that level of control, pick up the yards where you need to, run the clock, let let the strength of the defense continue to carry you. Yeah, it does. It does sound similar. But the thing is, it's going to be times where the Broncos' offense is trailing. What does that look like? How quickly can they make up deficits? And and in that case, that that's one thing that I think still remains a bit of a question mark about this team. Yeah, one thing I picked up on, and it really helped being down there at eye level, is the motion guys in this offense are the running backs. You're, you're not. It's not. I mean, the tight end will move occasionally, but really, you're trying to place the tight end in a lot of cases. No offense, out there in the slot and using the running backs to dictate motion and moving them out of the backfield. Something I found interesting. I'm gonna have my eye on going forward. Saw that in 7-on-7 seven seven a little bit with the quarterbacks targeting receivers lined up on the outside, not lined up in the slot, not coming out of the backfield. Plenty of that throughout the day. No doubt about it. Uh, the, we saw a little more two-back today, as you were kind of referencing there. Uh, opportunities, they were down here in uh, goal to go, and it was uh, it was um, Royce Freeman and Devontae Booker flanking Joe Flacco, and they sent Royce out wide of the tight end, as you pointed out on the broadcast, and then Devontae Booker, they hit him on the right side with a little, you know, just a flip pass, and Honestly, that, that's going to be a very effective play for this team, whether it's a tight end in the backfield moving or running back. One of the one of the concepts that they really have been practicing over the last week or so that I've seen is that tight end either on a post or slant uh, out, of, out of the slot. They'll have the receiver running the clear out, and the back comes in underneath. And it kind of creates that natural pick play for the back out of the backfield to have a full head of steam head forward out of the catch. And so that's something I think we're going to see a lot of out of this offense. Probably benefits Philip Lindsay and then right with him, 
Devontae Booker more than anybody because Booker, the last three years, he's buttered his bread as a pass catcher, not as much in terms of the run game, although he did have a nice 19-yard run today and got to give props to Ron Leary, Dalton Rosner, Connor McGovern in particular for creating the seal that allowed Booker to strike through. But Booker read that perfectly. It flashed open. It was a classic zone blocking type of play. The hole was there for a split second. He went through. And if he can do that, that makes him much more valuable. But even so, as a pass catcher, he's going to have value in this offense, assuming he makes the team, which I think he will. But they need all the running backs to have multiple abilities, right? It's not just about running the ball. It's about catching the pass. You even saw um, Royce Freeman catch a little bit of a post-pattern catch in the end zone during seven on sevens you're you're going to see all the running backs out in routes you're gonna, I mean that that's good you want you want that kind of versatility and variety but yeah with Devontae Booker I thought he had one of the the better days uh, he's had during during practices and we caught up with him afterwards and I mean he seems like he's kind of taking it all in stride I mean then again that's kind of his personality anyways but uh, yeah you mentioned it he he's not guaranteed a roster spot but if he continues to do things like that he'll he'll definitely make the roster if the game can slow down for him and he's got that vision that the other guys sometimes don't have it was a duo block play uh, that he sprung free on and it was it was uh, you know it was good to see him have the patience to let the blocking set up and then take off uh you know through the through the interior like that you just haven't seen that out of book last couple of years yeah the patience hasn't always been there like it needs to be that's one reason why uh, he struggled to get involved in the running game drew lock Of course, a lot of fans wanted to see him. He got a nice and loud ovation when he came out before practice. And uh, uh, some good moments for him. Not going to hold the last play against him too much, although was telling it was against the ones. Mm -hmm. Something we've only seen in bits and pieces for Drew Locke working against the first team. And Adam Gotts, nice play at the line scrimmage for the pick. And I joked on the scoreboard that he's been waiting three years for that kind of celebration to be able to do the Australian rules football kick it between the, the low uprights there but uh, you know, Drew Locke looked like a rookie and I think for a lot of fans out here they got their first in-person glimpse of Drew Locke as a pro today again it illuminated what we've been seeing the last eight days there are some tantalizing moments he had a nice throw uh, to Brendan Langley getting outside the pocket and so the kind of thing that we've seen before with Langley breaking off his route and flashing to the sideline downfield for a 20-yard game but also some moments he wants back I thought Drew Locke was brilliant in the seven on seven he completed all three of his passes and especially after watching Hogan and Flacco can you struggle. be brilliant in seven on seven with well in no this rush? case you can in this case you can but I mean the timing because remember it's I mean that that's what we, we were talking about on the broadcast it's a timing uh, practice and yeah it's it's meant for the offense to win but Flacco and Hogan didn't they struggled during their seven on seven periods for what it's worth and the timing is what you want to see with him because yeah you're right I mean it, it's designed for the offense to win but We've seen rookie quarterbacks not win that and take off and scramble. So uh, for me, I, I'm going to tip the cap saying, yeah, there are some moments that he still showed rookie stuff, but that was a good one. You want to go through all the colors of the Paxton Lynch feel bad rainbow while you're at it there? <laughs> not afraid to. <laughs> not afraid to do it. Are we wasting reps on, on Kevin Hogan at this point? I mean, if your veteran backup uh, isn't better than the rookie that you've brought in, and he isn't, are we wasting reps? I think we may get an answer to that on Thursday night in the Hall of Fame game. And I wonder if that is the moment at which we may see some depth chart movement now. There will be a quote-unquote unofficial depth chart issued in advance of this preseason opener, but we all know this is basically a bonus game you don't ordinarily get, and typically 
it's that week going into what is usually the preseason opener when we see movement, when we see the depth chart reflecting what guys have done. And I think it's possible that if Kevin Hogan goes out there in Canton, struggles, and Drew Locke tears it up or Brett Rippon tears it up, that it may look different when the Broncos come back three days later for practice. Vic feels like an old-school coach that makes the rookie take the job from the veteran, and I feel like that's what's happening. Well, we look at the problems you had the last three years when rookies were simply handed gigs mm-hmm. and how that went over. The Isaiah McKenzie example is the one that jumps out that he was basically handed the job before the first preseason game and until the fumbles really got out of control couldn't do anything to lose it much to the consternation of a lot of veterans on the roster and then he loses it he gets it back and he goes and fumbles again and that too led to further frustration so I think it's old school but it also on a team like this that's got a lot of veterans some of whom were around for the Super Bowl year in 2015 that understand how it's supposed to look you do have to make these guys earn it although that said Dalton Reisner he was handed the job but He's proven worthy of it. He's been exceptional. He has been exceptional, and and today was another good day for him. And yeah, I mean for for Locke, he he seems to have the right temperament, anyways. Like like it doesn't seem like he came in here with an expectation of of really anything. And uh, you know you want you want to see a certain amount of swagger from your quarterback. I remember I was talking about Baker last year, and how long would he really be willing to wait behind a quarterback? He did the best he could to to show the. The respect for Tyrod Taylor, but in the end, you knew the team was going to be better off the sooner they went to Baker Mayfield. Let's just hope, I guess, for the Broncos' sake, that it's not like that with Joe Flacco that you can't wait to get to Drew Locke because that you know is is Drew Locke going to be completely ready? Baker Mayfield, the number one overall pick, you knew he could hit the ground running. At least you expected it. Drew Locke, by most people's assessment, needs a little bit of time. He does. He did make some nice throws. There was actually one of the nicest throws uh, that I saw from him was in the red zone period, dropping the ball basically in the breadbasket. Was it uh, Fred Brown, Trini Benson, one yes. of those guys? Couldn't quite haul it in, but you can't place that pass any better in tight coverage than Drew Locke did, even though it was your favorite route, Ryan. <laughs> well, but, I mean, look, if you uh, – well, now, so are you talking about uh, the fade, or are you talking about – because there was another one that was uh, basically just a seam. It was just kind of right up the middle, over the middle kind of deal, but – yeah, I was referring to the fade. The fade, yeah. No, I hate the fade. Fade's a terrible play. I hate the goal line at least fade. You're con- it's the worst. At right? least you're consistent about Thank you, this. Ben- you know what? Thank you, Benjamin. It's the worst. It's a loser route. It's one of the lowest percentage of, uh, uh, of success rate in the NFL. Drives me crazy. And for some reason, offensive offensive well, coordinators game, love it. Yeah, they're married to it. And they run it as if, as if it's a higher percentage. I mean, basically, your your wide receiver is going to be out of position, and you're hoping he can somehow box out for position, and and in the end, it also is a timing route because if the quarterback is off underneath, it's picked. If he's over the top, it's a wasted play. The way we ran it, we ran a we we paired the route, so we ran a fade and it had a curl, an inside curl paired with it. So you had the fade to the outside. You just read it was a keyed read. You're just reading which way the corners are going, one or the other, and that's the well, only like way that. we were ever successful with it. Especially you take advantage of the fact the quarterback's looking in one direction, narrow field, but he's able to see two guys. He has two options. It helps keep the defense off guard. By the way, with Stephen Dunbar. Oh, but yeah, my the, bad. Oh, I remember the Dunbar. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes, but yeah, you couldn't place that ball any better. Nope. It reminded me, actually, of a play that I saw from Kyler Murray and some of the clips that came mm. out from Arizona's practice the last couple of days. Yeah, he looks pretty good. Kyler Murray? Uh, I no pads that. yet. Who is, uh, yeah, I was going to say, 
Just I'm. I, we're no, really doing this right now. We're, we're not we we're not sure. You know, who, you know who looked good and not in pads? Kevin White is apparently showing out out there. Well, I mean, former first round pick. I mean, just saying. Isn't he made of glass? Well, he, yeah, he comes with a plate of spare, spare yet, ribs. So. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> the glass cannon. Oh, oh that was uh, that was man. what Derek Alexander's nickname. We were <laughs> that's getting back there. Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, so Broncos they'll take Sunday off. Be back on Monday afternoon. We're now five days out from the preseason opener. We talked about Kevin Hogan and, and what that game means, means for him, but uh, who else needs to show up in a big way in Canton, Ohio on Thursday night to at least start getting somewhat of a foothold on a roster spot? Well, we're, we've been talking about the depth of safety. Uh, there's, there are a lot of safeties. I probably stole that one from Ben, but there are a lot of safeties. Trey are, Marshall had a nice hit Trey today. Trey Marshall had a nice hit today. Jamal Carter has not really had too much of an impact so far in camp. He he could really use a good game to kind of get back into the running of this thing. So that'd be one of my my first picks is to kind of see how the depth of the safety position shakes out a little bit through performance in games because in the end, uh, as Coach Fangio alluded to, that's the final exam. That's where they're going to want to see some of these guys shine. Yeah, the safety position, Sua and Trey both need to put their stamp on it and, and, and lock down those last two safety spots. Or DeMonte. Uh, wide receivers, you need to have Trinity Benson, Kelvin McKnight, one of those guys, come through with uh, with Craycraft out. Now's your chance to shine. Get out there and shine. Make those coaches. Make it impossible for them to cut you. Uh, and the tight end position. You, you, uh, if you're Austin Fort, you're right there on the cusp. You need to you need to lock it down with Jake Butt being out. And, and again, give those coaches a reason to keep you. Another solid day for Austin Fort today. And by the way, Ryan, you and I kept talking about Austin Fort, how he was having a drop a day. Need to see a clean day. It was a clean day pass catching from Austin Fort today. It was. Not a clean day for Noah Fant, but again, that's that's kind of a little bit of what it's been like with him. He'll make some really brilliant plays, and then he'll have kind of a unnecessary, he was kind of looking to run before he really hauled in the ball on a perfectly delivered pass. So he, he needs to clean that up. He'll probably get a series, maybe a couple series. Uh, you'll see Austin Fort a lot. You'll see Troy Fumagalli a lot. And then, of course, their new tight end that they uh, added. Is it moral or morale? I want to say Stevens. moral, but... Because it's more fun for headline writing and just working it in. Let's say there are 10 passes to tight ends, and he catches six of them. It's a moral, moral majority. majority. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would, yeah, I was going with if most fans hope he succeeds, then it's a moral majority, but okay. Man, you guys we, are so we, we have all the moral dad jokes yeah. right here. Is yeah. it ethical that we have these jokes? Oh, my God. Moral relativism? We're terrible people. Anyways. We are. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm with you on, on Austin Ford, by the way. I mean, that he, he really could take what he's done and, and put a bit of a stamp on, on where he's at on this roster with a really good performance. Tight ends are going to be heavily involved. Yeah. Malik Reed. Yeah. He had a very good day today, of course. Von Miller uh, was away attending a funeral down in Texas. Dakota Watson still working his way back, so it was an opportunity for Jeff Holland. Jeff Holland did some good things. Malik Reed, there were times when it seemed like he was getting in the backfield every single play, making an impact. There was one play he kind of pushed Elijah Wilkinson back into Joe Flacco. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Holland's got the start today, number 52, and uh, we saw a lot of Josh Watson as well as Alexander Johnson working at inside linebacker. Again, as you said, depth chart this next week, not really much to report on, but it's interesting just to see what they do as they're working guys in. Joe Jones had a couple plays in coverage. Didn't yes. we talk about him? Had a couple couple of uh, pass breakups in coverage. Good to see that because he's, he's a guy that's vying for that kind of base set uh, inside linebacker with, with Todd Davis being out. And you need the speed that he brings. And, of course, he has a big special teams role. And actually, the special teams 
depth chart and what we see when it's, you know, say first punt pro, first punt return, first kickoff return, first kickoff coverage. These are things that are going to help determine the back end of that roster. And that's why when you look out there, first team punt pro, for example, and you see Trey Marshall working with that unit, along with guys like Joe Jones, others that you know from the roster last year, it's significant that Marshall is with that unit. He's been so good. And I, I almost feel like these are the things that, that tend to shake out during camp. You almost kind of wish you were ahead on all the guys. Remember when we do our kind of camp preview and we're talking about different positions? I didn't mention Trey Marshall's name enough. And, I, and I'll acknowledge that. He, he has been really, really good. I, I counted him at the, sort of the back end of the group as I was kind of going through my names. And uh, he's been he, – he's moved up. I he's mean, a he is, thumper. Yeah, he is. That dude can hit. Well, and, and as we've worked with Steve Atwater so long, I mean, that, that's the kind of safety work he likes to see. And he, he's not sort of fearless when it comes to that sort of thing. So, uh, yes, Trey Marshall definitely needs to be talked about way more than he, than he had been. We've talked about him a little bit. Well, we have I'm not sure him, any, anybody else has, but, I would but say, we have. But I would say when we were talking about the back end of that safety group, we started with Jamal Carter. In the offseason, yeah, you're right. Yes, you're right, we you're talked right. about Sue, we talked about the Thomases. Then we got to Trey Marshall. It, it was a little bit further down. I mean, and that, at least for me, it was. And he's he's moved up beyond those guys. Him, DeMonte, and Sua are kind of uh, right in that mix right now for that uh, fourth and fifth spot. The cuts on defense at a position like safety and even inside linebacker where we've seen Josh Watson, Alexander Johnson, uh, Joe Jones, like Ben mentioned, all flash – the cuts at safety and inside linebacker seem like they're going to be a little more difficult than maybe we anticipated when camp started. Absolutely. Yeah, for the safeties, you know, Ben and Ben brought this up on uh, Broncos Country tonight about how, is it the Falcons, you said, that uh, actually are a little bit thin at safety and maybe there might be a deal potentially to work out there? Justin Wilcox just went down for the season, torn Achilles. Uh, so they are a little thin at safety. They're already thin at safety. They're a little thin at safety. It might be one of those scenarios where two teams butt up against each other. The other staff says, hey, we like your guy. You've got a, a log jam there. Why don't we work something out? It wasn't a trade, but it's sort of how Kevin Hogan ended up as a Bronco. They went against him in Washington last year, flashed in the fourth quarter, then a week and a half later, they're signing him and they're jettisoning back some Lynch. This does happen quite a bit. You're right, Ben. So by the way, I just talked to uh, my buddy up there in Seattle watching practices up there. I'm, I wouldn't hold my breath, Paxton Lynch fans. Not good. Gino's, uh, Gino's got him. <laughs> Damn. There's a flat earth joke there somewhere, by the way. Yeah. Somewhere. Time is a flat circle. Of course, all circles are flat, but... Well, enjoy the day off. You're probably listening to this on Sunday. Broncos not practicing. We'll be back on Monday. Ben, Ryan, appreciate you guys staying a little bit longer after the stadium had cleared out here. Good crowd today. Good atmosphere. Although, I'll say this. I think today was the first day that I missed the music. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. You know what? That I hadn't put a lot of thought into it. It was good for us for the broadcast because we were down on the, the field and it would have been really, really loud. But yeah, there there was a little bit of the, the crowd had to kind of amp themselves at times. Because you get music during a game between plays and all right. that. And I wonder if maybe the way to go about it in retrospect would have been to between snaps kind of have the music and then cut it off at the same time that you cut the music off. You know, when the team breaks the Higher huddle, game. usually they shut off the music. And then the noise has to come from the crowd. Yeah, as, as the, the, the fans were down there in the sun baking, it, it probably would have helped a little bit to have some momentum because they, they did have 
it, it felt like when you know there was a, a string of like you know working some one on ones or special teams, the crowd just kind of was hanging. That's why I call Coach Fangio the Big Bopper because as soon as he took over, it was the day the music died. And on that note, (laughs) for Benjamin Albright, Ryan Edwards, I'm Andrew Mason. Thanks for joining us on the Broncos Camp Podcast from Broncos Stadium at Mile High. We'll talk to you again Monday after the Broncos get back on the field.